identity. That word is defined as the fact of being who or what a person or thing is. So who am I? It's a difficult and complex question, probably the most difficult question we could ever attempt to answer. When asked, you may give your name, but that's your name, not who you are. So let's break this down, the definition a little bit more. The definition broken down is defined as the distinguishing character or personality of an individual and the relation established by psychological identification. So, you know, we're getting a little bit more complex now. And like I said, um, you know, just giving your name simply doesn't cut it. Is it your outward display that says who you are? Is it what you believe in? Is it your morality? Or is it a little bit of everything? My gut and the way the broken down definition reads tells me it's everything about you. Everything. It's the good. It's the bad. It's the inward. It's the outward. You know, here, here's a quick few statements that I think will give you an insight into the question that I pose as it related to me. Who am I? I am a believer in God and a follow of, follower of Jesus Christ. I am a husband of nearly seven years. I am a brother, a son, a nephew, a grandson, a great-grandson, and a friend. I am kind and I love with all my heart. I also live with mental illness. All of these contribute to who I am. I firmly believe that my belief in God is the main definer of my life. I live out my faith every day to the best of my ability. However, over the past few years, I've seen mental illness take over more and more of my life on a daily basis. So how am I defined? Who am I? Contrary to what a lot of people believe, Having a belief in God does not mean your life will be amazing and perfect. It's far from it. We all struggle. You will continue to struggle with God. We all thrive and will continue to thrive with God or without Him. What's the difference? Knowing you have someone almighty and powerful to lean on when times get tough. I know, I'm dodging the question and the real purpose of this conversation, which is mental illness. Because it, it's, it's a buzzword type of conversation. People don't want to have these conversations. People don't want to admit that they have these problems, that they can be an identifier of your life. And more people suffer from it than you could ever imagine. You know, uh, a few years ago, I was diagnosed with anxiety. I think it was about four years ago. Um, you know, it, it's it's very low on the mental illness radar, but it's still a mental illness. I was experiencing constant headaches and had a lot of worry about many different things. Um, I, I guess it all probably started maybe about five, probably about five, six years ago, I think it is now. Um, around the time I found out my wife was diagnosed with endometriosis and we did not be able to have children naturally. Man, that was a slap in the face. I, I got to tell you, it, it was a slap in the face because all I ever wanted was to become a father. 
ask anyone that I've known through through the years of my life what was the one thing I wanted to do and that was become a father it's all I ever wanted to do all I ever wanted to do was be able to you know hold that child after my wife gave birth and to have that feeling to be able to nurture and develop a child you know it it was my hope it was my dream and, you know, to have it all ripped away from me, it, you know, it really sucked. And it still sucks. You know, it, it's it's difficult. There are nights, you know, when I worked at the newspaper in York that, you know, I practically cried the whole way home. because The entirety of that 45-minute drive just because it hurt so much. But I couldn't let my wife sh- see it. You know, I had to be strong for her because I knew it hurt her just as much as it hurt me if not more and you know it, it's see that's a it's a difficult part because you want to be able to show emotions to the people that you care about that you love but there's a certain aspect and I, I've explained this many times to her when we've had conversations later on about it and I just told her I had to be strong for her I couldn't let her see that I was hurting, even though probably what we needed to do was to grieve together. It was scary. I was terrified. It was... I didn't know if if it was going to destroy our marriage. And so all I wanted to be was her rock. I was afraid of, you know, what was going to come from it. And you know what the hardest part was about everything? Coming up to that next Father's Day and not only knowing I wouldn't be able to celebrate that day as a father, but knowing that I already didn't like that day because of my father's absence in my life. It, it was... It was a double punch in the gut. That day, that first Father's Day after that was a double punch in the gut because that day sucked for years and years because my dad wasn't around. He wasn't in the picture. All the lies he told me. All the pain he caused me. Telling me he's going to come home. Telling me all this. Telling me all that. And it never happened. It was unfulfilled. And then to have this also torn from me. Ripped out of my hands. Taken, out, taken away from me. All I could think of was how could this all happen? You know, all I just wanted to be a great father. I wanted to show what it meant to be a true father. It it just sucked, and it still sucks. You know, I, I'm not over it, as you can, as anyone listening can tell, and I don't know if I ever will be. You know, I I can't find myself even to take calls from my dad when he does find the time to call. You know, and that's maybe once a year. Maybe it's all the lies that I've been told, the broken promises, the unfulfilled promises. You know, it really sucked. And, you know, all I really wanted, and I guess maybe in some ways I wanted to become a father just to show that I could be, I could do better than my dad. That's probably somewhere in the back of my head. It was probably back there that I wanted to be better than him. I mean, that that's absolutely 100% the truth. That There was something that told me that when I had the chance to become a father, when I was a dad, that I was going to be better than he was. 
and then it couldn't be. You know, anytime anything gets taken away from you, anytime your dream gets thwarted, you become angry. You know, and I, and I was angry. I was angry with God. I, I thought to myself and even yelled out a few times on car rides home that, you know, after all those years away from religion, away from God, that I came back and this is what I get. This is what I get for coming back to religion, to God. I doubted my faith. There's times I still do because of this. Like, how could you... How could you let this happen to me? You know, and... I just didn't know. I didn't understand. I didn't understand, like, how this could happen. Why this could happen. And, you know... Ultimately, you know, Kelly was going to have the endometriosis... She had it for years and years and years. So it it didn't matter whether I was coming back to God or not, that this was going to happen. But at that time, when things happen, when you lose something, your biggest thing is to ask why. Why did this happen to happen to me? You know, like I said, I doubted my faith. Everyone always told me that God was love. I didn't understand it. I couldn't understand it. How could I? I lost my one of my goals in life. You know, not everyone dreams of becoming a parent. I did. And it was torn away from me. I couldn't understand it. You know, and and you know, going back even further than that, you know, how could I understand love? My earthly father didn't love me enough to tell me the truth and to stick with me. Why would anyone else? Why would anyone else? I I couldn't understand it. I you know, you know and and during that time, you know, I I wanted to get closer with God because when these things happened, I said, "You know what? I can't survive this on my own." I couldn't. You know, but I kept feeling myself pushing myself away. I was mad. I was angry. I felt betrayed. All reasons you push yourself away from something or someone. Here I am. I'm 27 years old at the time. Just married for a couple years. Renting a home. New full-time job. Ready to start a family. A man of God. And my dream got stolen from me. We were, we were ready. We were set. We were in good shape financially. We were ready. We wanted to become parents. And then this happened. To make matters worse, about a year later, my wife and I could no longer afford the house we were renting from all the bills we accumulated from her surgeries and treatments. So we had to move out. We had to move back in with my mom. I, I mean, I'm thankful and grateful that she gave us a place to stay. But that was a punch to the gut. 
you know, it, it's one of those things where, okay, in the, in the course of a year, I went from ready to start a family, feeling like I'm on cloud nine, to moving back in with my mom and unable to have a family, to start a family. Man, like, if you've ever felt like you failed at something, that's it, right there. You know, and... You know, the embarrassment at age 28 of moving back in with your parents while married. You know, on top of all the anger, the grief, the resentment, I was now feeling shame. It wasn't long after that when I started to get the headaches. They were headaches that lasted hours and felt like electrical shocks. I mean, I can't really explain them other than like... You know, it felt like someone was just like jabbing me with forks that were just placed in electrical sockets. You know, uh, you know, it was painful. I had trouble sleeping. I, you know, and that's when I decided to go to the doctor. You know, and I just thought I was having headache problems. You know, we talked, and I, that's when I was diagnosed with anxiety and got working on some headache medication. You know, and it, it helped for a little while. You know, I would still feel some of those emotions from time to time, but it wasn't an all-the-time thing. I was able to, you know, talk about things. I was able to, you know, get emotions out when I needed to. I was able to talk about it. It was, it was a time I felt a little bit of relief from everything. Not full relief, because that pain still sat there. All that stuff still sat there. You know, and then a couple months later, I went through a spell of vertigo. You know, a, 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 a situation you, you are completely helpless about if you've ever ha had it. You know, I had to go off my anxiety and headache medication for a little while while I was treating that, and everything went spiraling again. I had all those emotions. It wasn't as bad, but I started struggling. You know, over the next year, though, the newspaper went through a series of layoffs and job cuts. Each time, my job somehow was saved. But other people around me, they were losing their job. Including people that had the same position as me. One by one. Sometimes 20 at a time. The first time, there was over 20 that were laid off. Yet, I made it through. Created a sense of insecurity. And fear that... You know, my time there was going to be coming to an end. You know, it, it, it's scary not knowing what's going to happen. So, you know, I was on the medication, but, you know, I was still experiencing some of that anger, the grief, the resentment, and the shame. And now I'm also adding fear and insecurity to it. You know, there were some days I didn't even want to get out of bed. It, it it wasn't easy. It, it It's still not easy, you know. And, you know, when I was at work, I put all my focus into work and it showed. I was excelling. I was overperforming what anyone could realistically expect one person to do. You know, I was doing the work that four people used to do by myself. I wanted to prove my value. You know, the, the fear and insecurity were still there because I never knew 
when my last day would be. And I knew the corporate office didn't care how much the community and newspaper valued me. If they lost money, I could be gone. That's simple. You know, they lose money. They don't care about what I, the work that I'm doing and the work that any of you know my coworkers were doing. They just cared about what was there. And that can be tough trying to work in that environment. You know, it, 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 you know, it made, you know, it didn't change my performance at work, you know, because I was going there and I was going to put my best foot forward and do what I could to put out the best stuff possible while I was there, you know, away from work. It, you know, was, was constantly a concern here I am working the opposite shift of my wife, still living at home. We can't even have, you know, a normal relationship because we're on these opposite hours. We can't be parents. So it was like everything just kept compounding, compounding. I'd go to sleep at 3 a.m. Everyone in the house is asleep for hours. You know, I'm left to my own devices. It was, it was stressful. It was tough. It was draining, you know, when I was at home, I put all my focus into my family and God, you know, everyone I was living with, my nephews, because, you know, over on that time, I kind of, you know, came to grips with everything that we weren't going to be able to have children and seeing that I had four nephews that, you know, I could parent, not as an actual parent, but that I could bond with, that there were plenty of children in my life that I can make a difference to. So I, I slowly felt some of that pain going away, even though it won't ever give away because there's nothing that can make up for your own child. And Kelly and I talked about adoption, but we just didn't, it wasn't for us because one of her big things was wanting to go through the whole thing. You know, so so through all that, while I was at home, I put all my focus into family and God. You know, I felt myself becoming closer to God and some of the walls being torn down. But the mental illness wall just remained and it, it wasn't going anywhere. It was getting stronger and stronger and stronger. So let's let's continue the fast forward um, to October of 2016. It was a random Monday and my wife and I both had off work to go to eye doctor appointments and just spend some time together because we didn't get that often. Um, you know, and there was a big meeting at work. You know, at the eye doctor's appointment, they struggled to get my left eye to 20-20 vision. So they did a field vision test and found an area of blindness. Tested in the office and sure enough, there was an area I just didn't see. It's difficult really to explain. It was as if something got into a spot in my vision and it just disappeared. So I was referred to a neurologist for more. Um, you know, my wife and I were concerned, but not trying to dwell about it because of everything else going on. And, you know, a lot of that's still in the back of my head. We, we were in a better place at that point, but those things never leave you. Those hurts never leave you. You know, so we went to lunch at our favorite spot in Hershey, Arugas, to try and get our minds off of it and just talk. You know, so while we're sitting there, after we placed our order, I got a call from my boss at work. You know, and with the tone of the conversation at the start of it, I was kind of expecting that that was my call that I was laid off. I wasn't. 
the bad part was half the sports department was. How could I have made it through? How? Why wasn't my job cut? Every other person in that newsroom with the same job title I had was cut in May. Surely it was a mistake. They had to have thought I was already cut, right? You know, I, I guess it just wasn't my time. But I felt survivor's guilt. I felt it because there were some very talented people that lost their jobs that told the stories. And here I was, the man who just processed box scores, answered telephones, and the like. And I got to keep my job. It sucked. So, anger, grief, resentment, shame, fear, insecurity... Those were all emotions I continued to feel daily. And now add to it the worry about the uncertainty of my health with my eye and everything going on. And now guilt because I kept my job. And because I kept my job, the fear and insecurity remained. It wasn't easy. Throughout the next three months, I was sent from the neurologist into getting an MRI and then to a neurosurgeon because it was found that I had a pituitary tumor and I was pushing onto my optic nerve. I needed brain surgery. You want something that's difficult to sink in? Having a doctor tell you you're going to need brain surgery. Yeah, yeah, and that there's a tumor, you have a brain tumor, on top of everything else. And then there were chances I wouldn't even get back that vision. You want to talk about a kick in the ass, <laughs> you know, it was scary. You know, the only surgery I'd ever gone through before was with having my wisdom teeth removed. Seven days after I got married, that happened. Ha you know, congratulations on your wedding. Now you're getting your teeth removed, you know. I didn't know what to expect. And there was a chance because of the pituitary location that a slight mistake would cost me my life. A mistake could cost you your life. Think about that. You're already going through all that other stuff. You're dealing with that on a daily basis. And then you're told you need brain surgery and that a slight mistake could cost you your life. You know, my wife and I even had to sign a paper that basically said if that happens that we have we would give consent to just end the surgery in my life rather than attempt to save it can't think of what it's called off the top of my head but could you imagine having to sign that paper to sign a living will 
man, it was tough. The fear, like, it was crippling at times. You know, and I couldn't let it get to me. You know, much like when Kelly went through the endometriosis, I had to be strong. You know, by this time, I had a much better support system, you know, than I had before. You know, I had a really wonderful small group through my church that prayed for me. And I found myself giving this one to God, unlike the other ones. It was the first time that I endured something and did not add a new symptom to my anxiety. Because I was already dealing with them. You know, I was still dealing with anger, grief, resentment, shame, fear, insecurity, guilt, and worry. You know, the surgery and recovery were a lot more difficult than I expe- than I expected. I had a whole list of things I would do during that time off. I was going to watch some movies. I was going to play some video games. What did I do? I mostly sat downstairs and watched TV. Way too much prices right in NASCAR, but, you know, what's really on TV during the week, you know, in the spring? Because it was before baseball season, you know, and... And I struggled to sleep. Most nights I'd sleep two hours, if that. You know, I had several nervous breakdowns during my stay in the hospital. It wasn't easy. The worst was the last night there when I didn't know if they would need to do another surgery in the morning. And all I wanted to do was rip the IVs out of my arm. And I was trying to get out of the bed and and I just wanted to jump out of the window. I don't know what was possessing me that night. Maybe it was the fact that I'd gotten a grand total of four hours of sleep during my week in the hospital. Maybe it was all the stress of all those years finally boiling up to a, a, a spot that it just ran over the top. And I was no longer in control. The worst part about that... Four years of trying to be strong for my wife was destroyed on that night because she was in the room and saw all that happen. She saw me wanting to rip the IVs out of my arm. It still bugs me that she had to see me like that. Fast forward six months after that, I was finally laid off from the newspaper. You know, and there was a sense of relief in a way from that. Because I could cross a few of those constant anxiety stressors off my list. But it added a whole new set of issues. Because two months before that, my wife had a second endometriosis endometriosis surgery. And they told us during that one, if she needs another one, they're just going to do a full hysterectomy. So, you know, this was strike two. You know. So, at that point, though, we were still under... Both of us were under constant health care. We just lost our health insurance because I got laid off. I was out of a job. 
paying for things is going to be much more difficult. You know, I, I was kind of lucky that a few weeks later, my church daycare hired me. But it wasn't what I wanted. What I wanted to do was taken from me. Sound familiar? What I wanted to be, a father, was taken from me. My health was taken from me. My job, my career was taken from me. I, I couldn't do what I wanted to do, what I loved. Even if the, you know, the black cloud looming over my head was difficult to deal with at times. You know, so over my nine months at the daycare, I had some good experiences. You know, I also had some high anxiety days where I just could not do it. I started getting sinus infections, and as of today, I've had 13 since November of 2017. You know, and, and that triggered anxiety because I was constantly at the doctors and paying for visits, losing pay at work, trying to figure out why it was happening. You know, but in August of 2018, I started at my current job, Lebanon County Christian Ministries. You know, I thought that God finally put me where I needed to be to try and work through everything and get on the path. Not that I wasn't prior to that. You know, and, and in April of 2018, I went to the walk to Emmaus and had a life-altering experience. I finally understood what, what it meant all those years earlier when people had told me that God is love. You know, I wanted to do something with that. So that's what helped land me the job at where I'm at. I enjoy the job and some of the facets of it. I enjoy being able to witness to people and show them the love of Jesus. And, you know, during my, as my role as noon meal coordinator. But there's days I struggle where I dread going to work. It's not an easy job. There's days where I feel like I'm on an island all by myself there. I've had I had no experience doing the kind of work I'm doing. That terrifies the hell out of me sometimes. Going into a job where you have absolutely no experience. You know, and and Several years ago, if you had asked someone to tell me who I was, they would have said they would have said I'm an avid sports fan. You know, and I was. After my layoff, I became so divorced from sports that I felt like I lost a part of me. It's still a fractured relationship. I don't really watch it anymore. Maybe playoffs. You know. I do some freelance jobs, but it's not what it was for me. It's not what my passion was. You know, I, I feel that even though I enjoy what I'm doing, it's not who I am. But I can't do what I love doing for all of those years. So I can't help but feel trapped. You know, if I had an ultimate goal, 
I really don't know what it would be because so much has changed. I enjoyed what I did when I was at the newspaper. I did. But I enjoy having my evenings and weekends now with my family. I didn't have that then. I barely saw them. That's what makes this so difficult and trying to deal with because, you know, everyone always says list out things, write things down because sometimes it'll make you feel better. You can list out the pros and the cons and, you know, weigh everything out. Every time I do that, it is exactly the same. There are just as many good things about something as there are bad things. Every bad thing is related to a good thing in another category. And every good thing in a category is related to a bad thing in another category. Like I said, I loved what I did. I'd go back and do it in a heartbeat if I could do it 9 to 5 Monday through Friday. But I can't. And that's what sucks. Because something you worked your ass off for all those years to achieve, have it ripped away from you. All that stuff you worked on all those years, the desire to become a father, just have all that stuff just ripped away from you. Torn out from under you. It's been two years since my surgery. I deal with lingering effects from it every single day. I take three medications nightly. Prior to that, I'd never taken anything. I constantly get sinus infections. I just had a sinus surgery done on Friday. Would have never had to have that hap- done if it weren't for that first surgery. It sucks. I'm constantly being monitored. Every six months, I have to go lay in an MRI machine for an hour, listening to all sorts of banging and clatter, just to make sure my brain's okay. You know, sometimes I, I just feel trapped. You know, the other, the you know, a lot of other parts of this, this journey I could neatly fold and bring into the next part. You know, as we, you know, took the journey through how everything happened. I can't with this part. You know, because I'm still struggling with it. I'm still struggling with, you know, all those things I listed. You know, the anger, the fear, all that. I still deal with it. You know, the not being able to be a father, the surgery I had, living with my mother despite being married, the recent sinus surgery... You know, my wife and I started a positivity journal this year. And I did that more to try to help her with some of her anger issues. However, I'm getting a lot out of it. 
and recently I've been struggling to answer the questions that we have each night. We just simply ask each other questions. And one of the questions that she came up with, I think three nights ago, was, what was something that made you happy today? And I couldn't answer it. I could not answer it. Do you know how hard that is? Not being able to say that anything made you happy during the day. Not one thing. You know, and, and another question earlier was asked that an area that we struggle in. And mine was letting a snowball turn into an avalanche. And that's kind of what happens with me and my anxiety. One thing happens and it turns into another and it snowballs out of control until I work into my schedule to leave work an hour early to come home and basically lock myself up in my room for an hour. I don't know how to get out of it. You know, I know that I'm saved and I know that I can always turn to God. It's reassuring. Don't get me wrong. But it doesn't solve it. You know, I had almost all of this written down and I've maybe stuck to about half of it. And everything I felt earlier when I was writing it is completely different than what I'm feeling now. You know, because the next part I have in here is, you know, I guess the ultimate point of this was to say that, you know, mental illness is real. You could hear it. You could probably feel it. You know, here's my story. And also to say, you know, there are elements of it throughout it you know you can believe in God and Jesus but it doesn't mean your life will be rainbows far from it you know but if you take anything from this just know that you're not alone in whatever you're going through you know and my final thought is this you know just take some time sit down look at the question look at yourself in the mirror and ask who am I and really look, I mean, really, really look at it. Dig deep. Look into your darkest areas. Look into your lightest areas. Everything will play a role in who you are and what you are. It can be your beliefs your hobbies, your job, your family, your choices. Ultimately, you just have to find something to identify yourself with. There's no right or wrong answers to it. There's no cliche. There's no stigma to it.
So who am I? I'm Andy Meese, and I am a believer of God, and I have mental illness. Thank you for listening.